Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Jesus is. How would you finish that? There's a lot of ways you can finish it. I think that we saw last week, if you were here, the I am that Jesus said he was is the great Yahweh, God, who created the heavens and the earth, who made a covenant with man to redeem us and fulfilled that covenant, covenant through the death of Jesus. So Yahweh is a name. But also, the first name he ever called himself in the book of John, I am the bread of life. How many of you are hungry this morning? Literally, physically hungry. All right. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a place and they talk about food, I just get hungry anyway, period. He said, I am the bread of life. John chapter 6. If you got a Bible, I want you to go there. John 6. What does he mean? I am the bread of life. Now, there are seven of these in the Gospel of John. This just happens to be the first one, and we're about to read together out of chapter 6. I'm going to pick 10 verses, uh, and then another 10. and They're separated by dialogue, but I want to read the 10 that I think help us the most understanding this. The context is, he's just fed the 5,000, okay? You remember when he, when he had five loaves and two fish, and there were 5,000, and he took a, a little boy's lunch, and he fed them, and then he collected the leftovers, and how, many, how much leftover was there? How many baskets did they fill up? Okay, you have to work with me this morning. It's interactive, okay? It's not a trick question. <laughs> How, ah, there we go, 12. 12 baskets, okay? So there was more than enough. Well, everybody who saw that, they're like, oh my goodness, they've never seen anything like it. So Jesus goes on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, I think that night is when he came walking to the disciples on the water, okay? And when Simon Peter said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come, and I, I'm coming, and that's when Simon Peter walked on water. Okay, that's, that's out of Matthew's gospel, but I really do think that's the same moment that we're reading about today. Now, watch what happens the day after the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to pick it up. What I want you to do is read with me, starting in chapter 6. Let's start in verse 25. Okay, I'm going to read and you follow along. Verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, there it is again, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They were needing a wonder bread man, not a Messiah. And they saw him do that, and they thought, well, this would be awful convenient. Verse 27, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, what must we do 
to be doing the works of God. Now watch this. <laughs> Follow closely. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. In other words, believe in me is what Jesus was referring to. Look at their answer. They said to him, well, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What just happened the day before? How many were fed? 5,000. And we think even more. And how many loaves and how many fish? Are you kidding me? And you're wanting another sign to believe in him? That's exactly what they ask. And watch what he does with this. What work do you perform? These guys are crazy. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said, sir, give us this bread always. Now at this point, what you've got going on is Jesus is talking about bread that is spiritual. They're talking about bread that is physical. So you've, you, you've got parallel universes basically happening in this one conversation. And Jesus said to them, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. It's the first time he has said, I am, and then finished it with something, the bread of life. There's a little dialogue that happens. He talks to them a little bit about the Father sending him. And basically, here's what they thought about that. Verse 41. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I've come down from heaven? In other words, Nazareth wasn't that far away. They knew his mom and dad, and they're like, no, that can't, that, that, that can't be him. And Jesus said, don't, don't grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. <clears throat> it is written in the prophets, and they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. But that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. When Jesus invoked the manna quote, that's like saying, hey, you can, you can go to Olive Garden and eat all the breadsticks you want. But you're going to get hungry again. They didn't understand it. He said, it's not manna in the wilderness that you need. It is the bread from heaven that you need. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, verse 50, that one may eat of it and not die. 
I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, we're going to stop there. He goes into a discussion about his flesh and about his blood. Let me tell you, every time you see the reference flesh in this chapter, and you see the reference to his body, he is thinking about the cross, the atoning work on the cross, which basically is the place where he covered himself with the sins of the world and through his death atoned for them and brought us into relationship, opened a door of access so that anyone by faith can come now to know God and to walk with God the way it was supposed to be. So when, he, when you hear that, see that, flesh or body, it, it, don't get confused. He's talking about the cross. Now, when you read this, this is a pivotal chapter. Up until now, everybody, I mean, Jesus is your hero when he's multiplying bread and loaves. How many of you have ever invited people over and more people showed up and you had not cooked enough and you prayed for that miracle to happen in your house? Let me see. We've all been there. In fact, I've had many people tell me, said, Pastor, yeah, go ahead and bring him, but you might want to pray that he does that miracle again, multiplying the food. It's a powerful miracle. But something happens in this discussion, and all of a sudden they turn against him. Michael Card, Michael Card was a, a musician of, of yesterday. He's, he, he's, great, he's a great theologian, actually. He wrote a commentary. This is what he says about the Gospel of John and this chapter 6. The gospel and the story hinges on, on which the story of John's gospel term, the chapter 6 is the, the hinge. It makes a radical shift in Jesus' ministry from his greatest moment of acceptance to the one of the darkest instances of offense and rejection. This is that moment when he says, I am the bread of life. So what do we learn from this? Number one, four things. We're all hungry and thirsty. Not all bread satisfies. Consider the source. Come and eat. It's as simple as that. But it's profound in that it changes your life and my life forever. Let's start with the first one. We're all hungry and thirsty. God created us for himself. And in the garden, there was that relationship. And God literally walked through the garden with man, with creation, with his creation. But then when sin entered in chapter 3 of Genesis, you notice immediately man is hiding from God. And then whenever man is kicked out of the garden, you start a series of history of man trying to fill that void that only God can fill. It's like we lost something. Something happened in the heart of man just because sin entered the world. And now we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So you're hungry today and you're thirsty. I'm not talking about for physical food. I'm talking about for the food that can fill your spirit in the way you were intended to live your life. Okay? We're all hungry. We're all thirsty. Augustine, in the 4th century, St. Augustine, 4th century, 
says this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Some have defined it like the God-shaped hole in our life. So just know, every one of us have that, and this appetite drives us to things. A lot of times you think it's a relationship. I went through a series in, in high school and college uh, before I met Rachel. Let me make sure I say that. Before I met Rachel, I went through a series of relationships thinking that what I was missing was uh, what a relationship could bring me. And I'll never forget one night a girl who we were out and she looked at me and she said, you're really not happy. And you think that some girl out there is going to fill that unhappiness with satisfaction and make you happy? She said, David, you'll never be happy if that's what you're looking for. Never forget it. I got mad at her. And said, nah, this is over. You're not the one. <laughs> but some of, us look at, some of us look at jobs. If we can get that job, man, everything's going to be perfect. No, it didn't. Or if, man, if I can just get my kids through school, if I can just get them out of the house, uh-oh, guess what? They come back. <laughs> we always have these things that if, if that happens, if I can make that much money, no. Man, you're hungry because there's something inside of you that was made for God to be the one. And when he's not the one, when he's not in his proper place in your life, then you are looking for something. You're starving to death. Mother Teresa from India said this about America after being here and knowing a little bit about us. People in India physically are physically hungry. People in America are spiritually hungry. That makes people in India better off because Americans don't realize why they are starving. We keep looking for stuff. So the next thing, not all bread satisfies. Not all bread satisfies. Jesus said that. Yeah, he said, your fathers ate man in the wilderness, and guess what? They died. Verse 27, don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. What I love about this is Jesus acknowledges, hey, there's a lot of stuff you work for that it's never going to fill you. It's never going it's, it's to work. It's like we're standing knee-deep in a river dying of thirst. We live in a country that's been blessed, and I'm so thankful for this country. But it's not the stuff around us that will change what's inside of us. It's only a relationship with the bread of life. It's not about all the stuff. Stuff is not bad until you put it where it doesn't belong, which is the center of your life and on the throne of your heart. Guys, it won't satisfy you. I, it, I mean, do I need to quote Mick Jagger? <laughs> I can't get no. There you go. And some of you knew it, but you didn't want to say it because you would think that I would think you're so ungodly to know that song. <laughs> hey, Rolling Stones, man, they knew it. They sang about it. It's just something we all know. Not all bread satisfies. So we, we get caught up in this. Can I just tell you today is a big 
day sporting event, the Super Bowl. You ever read Deion Sanders' testimony about winning the Super Bowl? He won the Super Bowl, and the next thing he did, he went out and bought a Lamborghini. And he says as he was driving that Lamborghini, he thought, I really thought winning the Super Bowl would do it, and it didn't. So I thought I'd go buy a Lamborghini and figure that would do it, and it didn't. Tom Brady, after he'd won three Super Bowls, made a comment to a sports writer, there has to be more than this. And I don't think he was about talking about winning Super Bowl. He won more. I think he was talking about something else. So in other words, yeah, it's a big day, and there's going to be a lot of money made, lost, and all that stuff that happens with the Super Bowl. And I started to say, yeah, but I'm not referring to Usher. I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> I just think we live in a country that we keep shoving stuff in our life thinking it's going to fix what only God can fix. And there's no other bread of life. He's the only one. In fact, there's a, there's a law. Our, our professor on staff, Dr. Hankins, who teaches for uh, Baptist University of Florida, he, he, we were talking this week, and he, he taught me about a law of diminishing marginal utility. How many of you have ever heard that law? The law of diminishing marginal utility. You've heard it. You it just didn't know the name of it. All right, this is it. We have a bowl of these. They're Dove, milk chocolate, and caramel. And they are so good. And, and for some reason, they're in a bowl up in our office where everybody comes in the door who's coming to see it. There's a big bowl. So every once in a while, I just happen to walk up through there. And then when I do, I grab one. Well, I love these things. Maybe almost as much as a Reese's cup, but I love these things. All right. You eat one of them. On a scale of one to ten, what would your satisfaction be? Ten, I promise you. <laughs> if you like milk, chocolate, and caramel, this is it. This is your goal. Gold. Notice the color of the package. You eat two, you're at a nine. You eat three, I'm maybe down to a seven now. You eat four, man, they're not near as good as they were. You eat all ten, you're looking for a bathroom. You're sick. What happened? Diminishing return. You thought it's what would bring satisfaction. Oh, yeah, it did for a moment but it has a diminishing return effect. That's the law. That's what we all are dealing with. We see things that we think, oh, that's it, only to be disappointed. Paul Brandt wrote a book called The Pain, The Gift Nobody Wants. He's a, he's a doctor. And in this book, he talks about these laboratory rats that they, they did this experiment. They were able to place these little electrodes in their brain in the hypothalamus, which is the part of the brain that stimulates pleasure, the feeling of, of, of pleasure. And they wired it not only to a button that when they hit it would make them feel that pleasure, they also wired it so whenever they hit another color button, it would bring food. And so they're thinking that they're going to hit the button for food and sustain themselves in every experiment. 
all the rats died. Because once they learned that button that brought pleasure, that's all they could do is hit that button. And they never ate again. I'm telling you, we got to be smarter than rats. We got to realize what are the buttons that, yeah, they may bring a moment of pleasure, but they cannot sustain. Jesus is the only bread that never diminishes in satisfaction. The more you know him, the more you want to know him. I've never met anybody who truly walked with Jesus, not with religion, truly walked with Jesus and said, yeah, he's kind of disappointed me several times. No. Jesus never disappoints. And the more you know him, the more you want to know him. His satisfaction is constant and it's limitless. So not all bread satisfies. Second, third thing, I guess, consider the source. They kept talking about they had manna in the wilderness and and all, and he said, yeah, but they died. When you eat the world's food, you're going to die, but I'm telling you, God has given you bread from heaven, and when you eat that, you live. So consider the source of the food you're eating. I mean, literally. How many of you, be honest now, we're in church, so be honest. When you go in a restaurant that you've never been to before, how many of you kind of look at the kitchen? Kind of check the kitchen out just to make sure everything's okay. Some of you are like, I wouldn't dare look in there. Well, I, I, in the first service, I said Rachel would look in the kitchen, and I got a text in between services, so I will. <laughs> she will talk about the kitchen. I wonder if it's clean. Why? I want to know the source. If the food I'm eating is coming from a really bad place, why do I want to eat it? I was in Honduras on a mission trip. And man, we were having great success, and we were in Tegucigalpa, the capital of Honduras. And they told us, the local pastors and the missionary there told us, don't eat the street food. But I'm on the street, and I'm talking to this guy, and he's frying up something. I don't know what it was, but it looks so good. And I'm talking to him about Christ, and we're having a great conversation. He said, hey, I want to I give this to you. I said, no, I'll pay it. He said, no, no, I want to give it to you. Well, I had to take it, right? I took it and ate It tasted great. In two hours, I was begging for my life. (laughs) I was on a bed in a hotel room, and I was stretched out. I mean, my frame, 6'6". I'm laying on that bed. I couldn't move. I couldn't look right or left because I was afraid I'd die if I moved. It was horrible. Consider the source. God serves food that gives life. God serves you food that gives life. And and, and there's a reason that Jesus is having this conversation with them and with us. And the reason maybe we're not that hungry for what Jesus wants to do in our life is because we've been eating this stuff. My mama used to say, don't eat that. It'll ruin your dinner. And I said, Mom, how is that? She said, it'll make you where you don't even want the good stuff. That's exactly right. But the good stuff changes our life. You know what's so cool? Is once you taste that bread, and you can't get enough. I mean, every day I open this book, and I read this book, and there's life here. I mean, it never gets old. 
Bread to me is not a one-time thing. Jesus is not a one-time experience. It's every, once you taste, it's every day. It just keeps on happening. Even David talked about finding your calling, and that works out. Listen, when you taste the bread of heaven, all of a sudden you realize, wow, I understand why I'm here. And I am here to introduce others to that bread of heaven. You know, you consider the source. Do you want to be sitting at a table of the, of the world's food or a table that God prepared? And I'll give you a simple clue. When Jesus came into this world, he was born in what city? There we go. Y'all are afraid I'm going to trick you into something. Bethlehem. Who knows what Bethlehem means? House of bread. God knew what he was doing. And he gave us living bread. Bread of life. And the last thing, come and eat. It's an invitation. Jesus says, come and eat. I mean, we read this verse, but let me show you some of the verses. Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me, they won't thirst. He said in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled, satisfied. Even in John 7, there's a moment where Jesus is at a feast. It's the feast of, a feast, of, feast of tabernacles, booths. And what they would do is they would remember when they were in the wilderness and how God gave them manna, God gave them quail, God gave them water. And, and it was a time to remember that. Well, on the last day of that feast, the priest, the high priest, would go and dip up water out of the pool of Siloam. And he, it's, it was very ritualistic. I mean, he'd come back into the temple, and he would pour that out as a symbol of God giving them everything they needed in the wilderness. Well, guess what? Jesus happened to be there one day on the last day, the great day. Look what he did. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I mean, Jesus stood up, the high priest, and said, I got water. That if you're thirsty today, you'll never thirst again. Everywhere we see Jesus, he's inviting people to come to him. Thirteen times in the New Testament, he's saying, come. Come to me. Come follow me. Come drink. Come eat. So here's what I believe. If you leave here today still starving, it's your fault. It's nobody's fault but yours. Don't be blaming somebody next to you. You know why? Because Jesus is here, the bread of life. And there is an opportunity this morning for you to eat. So to leave here without doing that, without knowing what can satisfy, is absolutely on you. Not on him. I love what Paul David Tripp, he tweeted this on X. Jesus is the bread of life. That's it. Case closed. Can we praise him for that? What else we need? He's the bread of life. So how many of you read the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis? There are por portions of them. 
Anybody you know familiar with him? Great. It's, he takes the gospel and tells it through these characters. There's a story in there called the silver chair. Jill, who represents mankind like us, she's thirsty, really thirsty. She hears water. And so she goes to, to the water. She sees this beautiful stream, but all of a sudden she sees a lion who is there beside the stream. It was Aslan. Aslan is Christ, as C.S. Lewis is writing this story. It's Jesus. And she sees the lion, and it frightens her, and she says, would, would you go away so I can drink? I'm really thirsty. And he said, no. She said, but I'm afraid. He said, drink. And she said, I can't. I'm afraid. I'll just go to another stream. And then Aslan looked at her and said these words. There is no other stream. She drank. And she said, it's the most wonderful water I've ever tasted. Guys, I'm here to tell you, there is no other stream. There is no other bread. And I'm just one beggar telling some other beggars where I found bread. His name is Jesus. I want you to come to him. I want you to ask him, Jesus, feed me. So here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to sing. And I'm going to come down here because I, I remember this moment for me, and I just love this moment so much. When people finally get honest and say, I'm hungry, and I've been eating a bunch of junk, and I feel terrible. I got relationships that are so messed up. I got a job that's not right. I got a marriage that's not right. I got a family that's not right. I've eaten this junk, and that's all I know, but I'm ready to try the bread of life. And so I want you to do something. I want you to be willing to come take a few minutes. There are going to be some pastors and some staff right over there. And all we're going to do is just say, hey, here's how you can know him. And here's how you follow him. Because like I said, it's not a one moment. It's the rest of your life. He will feed you. When this world disappoints, I, I used to think, okay, you know, I'm a sportsman. I love the outdoors. Okay, if I catch a, I've caught a 10-pound bass. If I catch an 11-pound bass. I'll be satisfied. I caught one. Nope. I know there's a 12-pounder out there somewhere. I'm, if I can catch a 12, you golfers, oh, man, if I can just, if I can shoot under par just one time or if I can get a hole in one. But when you get it, what are you going to do? Quit? Nope. Nothing satisfies. We always want more. Today, somebody's going to be disappointed. Either the Chiefs. Or the 49ers. But every day, somebody's disappointed. I just want to tell you, Jesus never disappoints. You will never say, oh gosh, I shouldn't have done that. No. He's the bread of life. I beg you to come. I just want to celebrate with you, okay? That's all we're going to do. Father, right now in this moment, I know there's some hungry people in this room. And I just pray that today they quit trying to find food of the world that's killing them. And they will eat of the bread of life. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, 
be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.